Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we are talking about the art of pre-qualification in recruitment. And this is something that we don't hear talked about a lot, but it's something that both of us often end up talking to clients about. So we thought we would share our views with you. So Pam, first off, what do we even mean by pre-qualification in recruitment? What is it and why does it matter? So pre-qualification is all about making sure that you've got your non-negotiables covered before you get into the interviewing process. Now, lots of people think that the best time to start negotiating or thinking about what you actually want from a job offer is when you get the job offer. And then that's when you go into negotiation mode. But what we found over the years is that if you can pre-qualify as much of that information as possible before you even start the interview process, you can save yourself so much time and so much heartache because you know if that company is able to stretch, for example, to the salary that you want, can give you the flexible working that you need and anything else that you really deem as a non-negotiable. And from an employer point of view, you can make sure that when you do deliver the offer to your ideal candidate, that it is what they're expecting, it's what they want, and they're going to be really happy to accept it and you're not going to lose them to another job offer. So pre-qualification is super important. And I suppose it's something that we don't really think about because it's almost scary, isn't it, to start asking those questions before we get into the interview process. Because from a candidate point of view, we're thinking, what if I get ruled out because my non-negotiables are not going to be covered in this? Or from an employer point of view, you don't want to put people off or you want to get the best candidate for your money. I think with this, what we want to do is trying to try and change people's mindset around this and get people to start pre-qualifying this information up front to make the whole process smoother so everybody starts on day one really happy and it just makes the process easier. So right it really does make the process easier and I think we've talked in previous episodes so if you haven't listened to them we've got two other episodes that potentially are really relevant for you which is the episode on how to negotiate when you are in job search mode and then there's also the episode on how to be a great hiring manager and we touched on elements of pre-qualification as a candidate and as a hiring manager in those episodes but I think like you say the real kind of importance with this is about the difference it can make to how people feel both as an employer and as a candidate when they start a new role so what would be the kind of first things then if you're so if we take it as a kind of hiring manager stroke employer and as a candidate separately what would be 
your kind of key advice for candidates, first of all. So if our listeners are in job search mode or are going to be in job search mode, what would be the things that they need to pre-qualify? Okay, so the first thing, the most important thing is going to be the salary, because you don't want to move for a salary that's less than you're currently on. Or if you're currently out of work, you want to at least match the previous salary that you were on. So that's going to be the first thing. And that is one thing where people do really believe that they can negotiate hard when it comes to salary, when they get the job offer. But if a company has got a budget for that role, if they've got a salary banding for that role, then a lot of the time they can't go above and beyond that. So if you ask that in those early stages, you know, they will, if they can stretch for the best candidate or if the budget's set and it's a no-go. And then again, you're going to save time. The next thing would be the flexibility of the role. What kinds of working conditions do you want? Do you want hybrid? Do you want fully remote? Do you want to be working in the office? Or if it is an advertised as an office-based role, do you want some level of flexibility? If they've got their processes and procedures in place around that already, that might be something that they won't negotiate with. And you can you then be in a situation where you've again gone through the process and you can't get what you want or maybe you do end up negotiating hard and you start off on a real almost like a downer because you've had to do that hard negotiation and have all of those difficult conversations before you've even got into the role and then obviously location is it the right location how many times we have to go into the office which fits in with the the flexibility so they're the key things really that I think you should pre-qualify upfront and know exactly what is expected and employers really should be ready to answer those questions because they want the best candidate they don't want to waste their time and they don't want you to waste your time so if you can ask all them questions up front and not worry about being ruled out I think you're so right and it's the fear often isn't it for candidates that stops them from pre-qualifying it's if I ask about the salary is that rude to talk about money in advance if I ask about flexibility up front before I've been offered the job like the old-fashioned advice was always wait till you've got an offer and then negotiate wait until the very end and it was never about this kind of pre-qualifying and understanding and I think when we're talking about pre-qualifying we're not talking about starting with a big hard negotiation we're talking about getting an understanding of how likely is it that this could be a role that you really want? Or from an employer perspective, how is how likely is it that this could be a candidate that you really want and how important is it going to be to you to secure them? So it's not talking about going over the top, but you should never be in a situation where you are having a full-on interview for a role that you have got no idea what the salary range is. It's a complete waste of time and energy. And I've known far too many stories of candidates getting to the end of the process and then being offered a salary that, like you say, is be below their minimum expectations, below what they're currently on. And it's a complete waste. It's just popping the balloon, whereas it could have been avoided. So what other advice then would you give to candidates in terms of pre-qualification? So in terms of pre-qualification, like apart from the obvious salary, the flexibility and all of that kind of stuff, there's a there's an opportunity for you to find out more about the company before you get there. You can ask 
questions you can ask whoever is representing the company in terms of you know who is the recruiter who is the hiring manager you can ask them questions around the culture around the team setup you can ask them questions about the company generally you don't have to wait until you get to the interview and then reel them off one after the other in the interview you can ask them questions up front because if you do that you'll have a better idea and a better picture and it goes back to the interview being a two-way process so from the minute that you apply for that position you are in a process and that process should be a two-way process every step of the way so it's not just about you going in and performing for them and them deciding are you right for them it's about you getting all of the information that you need in order to make sure that they are right for you and lots of people do forget that or they will go into the interview and just fire off a few questions at the end of the interview and that doesn't always give you the right indication or the right information around how they operate and how they respond to you as a candidate is also very telling. So if they can't be bothered to provide that information, if it's an effort for them to do that, if they're not welcoming of that, of those questions, then it's, is this actually somebody that you would like to work for going forward? So I think you get into that two-way process and If you think of it from that point of view, you can actually find out a lot about them before you get there. You might find that the way they treat you between the application and the interview that actually they haven't treated me very well in this process. Is this right? You can ask them more questions in the interview that will give you more information if you want to proceed with it, obviously. And it's a really good way of thinking about it, I think, and getting under the skin of how they treat people how they work as a company a lot of companies get recruitment processes wrong you can't always hold that against them that's one caveat to this recruitment is something a lot of companies get wrong I'll just put that out there you can't always judge them on that but in terms of asking them questions around how they work what the teams and all the rest of it like somebody asked me those questions before the interview I would say let's just get on the phone and have a quick chat about it and I'll tell you all about the team and that's how I deal with it I think that's brilliant advice. And I think, funnily enough, I was talking to someone recently who really wishes that she'd done more of that as part of her job search. So she's now in role and actually kicking herself for not doing more of that pre-qualification. And I think as a candidate, if you've stayed with the same company and progressed with them for a while, then you may not be in that habit of going through recruitment processes and so you don't necessarily have that awareness of some of these things and changing role is a big thing changing business is a big thing and you are absolutely within your rights to ask these kind of questions and not leave it until kind of way down the line and one that this person I was talking to was talking about was that she kicked herself for not having asked was about the bonus. So I always say to candidates, if there's a bonus scheme, the first question you need to ask is, okay, and how much was paid out in the last few years on that? Because people will tell you there's a bonus scheme as part of a package, but they won't tell you that we've never paid out or we paid out a quarter of the total amount once to one person in the last five years. So I think those kinds of things where things are being presented as part of a package, absolutely, that's going to factor into your decision-making down the line. And the sooner you know, the sooner you can 
be aware doesn't mean you necessarily rule it out but at least it gives you that kind of overall view and like you I would really enjoy it when a candidate is asking me questions about the culture the business the line management and if they're nervous about you asking those questions up front then it probably doesn't speak brilliantly of the likelihood of it being the dream role that you hope it will be so definitely better to ask how about on the employer side then so what do employers need to do because it is a two-way process when they are looking at candidates for roles. How how do you guide hiring managers to do that pre-qualification of candidates? So I think the key thing with this, again, is salary, making sure the job ads has got salary on so that you're getting the candidates through that are fully aware of what the salary is. When you put a job ad out and there's no salary, you'll get a whole range of people applying, but also you'll miss out on a load of people as well because sometimes people will look at a job ad and think there's no salary on it. Is it actually a real job ad? Will they pay me what I want? And they'll go through this whole inner dialogue around the salary and then just not apply. So you could be missing out on some great candidates. So you should always ask, always put it on the job ad, but also as well, once you get into the process with someone like what salary will you accept? That so many companies ask, what salary are you currently on now? Which in my opinion, <laughs> and I can see you smiling, in my opinion, that is none of your business as an employer because you're paying for the job that person is going to be doing within your company. So what are your thoughts on that, Jackie? That's not a smile, that's a grimace. <laughs> and we definitely hold the same view on this. Yeah, as a candidate, I would always say, if somebody asks you, what are you currently on? Ignore the question and tell them, my expectations for this role are... And as an employer, as a hiring manager, I would always say, do not ask that question of what somebody's on because it's irrelevant. What you need to know, and I think, again, it feels to me like quite an old-fashioned perspective. It's that element of, when, as a hiring manager, when you ask that question about what you're currently on, the impression that can give to a candidate, because this is how it used to be used, is we're trying to get the best talent for the cheapest amount of money. So what we're going to do is take what you're currently on and add a little bit more and that'll be enough. And actually, that is not an impression, hopefully, that you would want to give as a hiring manager when you're pre-qualifying a candidate. What you want to know is, again, coming back to that bit that you said about before of you want it that on day one, both employer and candidate excited. This is a great new start. This is a brilliant opportunity from both sides. And asking that question of what are you currently on can leave quite a sour taste in the mouth. It's also a huge part of gender pay gap because typically women can be on a lower salary. And therefore, if you just base what you're offering on what they are currently on, then often that can then kind of perpetuate gender pay gap. So there's loads of research that suggests that it's a terrible question. And my face clearly gave me away the moment you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, and that I think it's a really key point to the recruitment process as well, because so many times we speak to employers and 
they are in a situation where they've had to really negotiate hard with a candidate where a candidate has accepted an offer from them and then gone on within a couple of weeks to accept an offer with another company that is going to pay them more. I think if you ask somebody, so you've advertised the job and you've got the salary on there. So you've got the people that will be willing to work within that salary band and the majority of them will be. So then the first question then you can ask them is what salary would you accept? If we were to give you a job offer, given that this is the salary banding that we are currently offering, what would, you know, what would you want? Now, a lot of people will go for the top end of that, but at least, or actually when I say a lot of people go for the top end, people tend to go mid to top end because some people don't like going to that top end because they think it'll rule them out. And some people will maybe go for the top end because maybe it's similar to what they're on and there'll be a whole range of reasons. But if you ask them up front, like, what would you accept? If they're going to say above and beyond that, then you can you can ask them the question then, you know, this is the current salary band and this is all we can pay. Do you still want to proceed? And then they can make a decision because you could spend all of that time interviewing them. They could be your best candidate. You get to the office stage and they want to negotiate. You can have those conversations up front so that you know exactly what they would accept, what they would be happy with. And I suppose it's not what's the minimum you would accept what would you be happy with if we were to give you an offer at the end of this process what would you be happy with and then what you need to offer that person to make them happy if you really want them and I think that just starts off really nicely but we do I think maybe it's a very British thing that we do we shy away don't we from talking about money and pre-qualifying the money side of it on both sides as an employer and also as a candidate. So I think it's definitely time we start talking more about money and making the recruitment process a lot smoother. Couldn't agree more. And the best candidates that I've seen have responded to that question with a range effectively of their own. And sometimes they don't tell you the full range sometimes. And this is if I was advising a candidate, this is what I would advise them to do is to confidently say when an employer pre-qualifies you and says, this is the salary range for this role, what would you be happy to accept? As a candidate, I would advise people to say, well, what I'm looking for is and state what your ideal amount is. Have in mind a lower amount that you would still be happy to accept but you don't need to specify that. But what you can do is say, I understand that maybe that being my ideal isn't isn't necessarily always going to be possible. So if we go through the process together and I do get the offer, then there are potentially elements that I could be open to negotiation on. So you're giving the employer a benchmark. You're only giving them one figure, which is your higher figure. And I heard some great advice donkeys years ago on this, which I'm going to share because I absolutely loved it, which is say the highest number that you can without laughing aloud when you say it. (laughs) That's a great tip. I love that. And own it and say, this is what I'd ideally like when I secure my next role. And like you say, if there's a salary band been advertised and what you want is above the top end, then maybe you say the top, really, I'll be looking for the top end of this. I appreciate that maybe that might not be possible. So if we get to the end of the process, then I'll be open to having a conversation. But you give that 
indication you'd be prepared to negotiate, but you've still set that benchmark where you'd ideally like it. Because I've actually seen it the other way as well. From a recruiter perspective, I've seen it where people pitch themselves lower. I remember having a role that was advertised and potentially there was budget to go up to 60K. And the person that I was interviewing I can't remember what they were asking for. I think it was about 45K. But actually, when I pitched it to the hiring manager, I said to her, hang on a minute. I feel based on your skills and experience, what you're talking about here, what do you actually want? And what she'd done is she told me effectively the minimum she would accept. And then what I asked her was, okay, and how much do you ideally want? So I didn't feed her a number. But effectively, she negotiated herself more than a 10% pay rise before she even started the job because she was the best candidate. And that still felt to the hiring manager that was a great value candidate because it wasn't the top end of their budget still. So I think all of that conversation, like you say, potentially people back away from because it feels a little bit awkward. But having that conversation up front as part of the pre-qualification can be so key. So what about then, you mentioned in what you were talking about there, that situation where people sometimes will have one offer and actually it's not what they ideally want and they maybe then will back out. How can you pre-qualify and try and minimize the chance of that happening? Because as a hiring manager, there's nothing more frustrating than you think you've secured a great candidate and then suddenly they disappear in a puff of smoke. Yeah, so the I think there's a couple of things that go on in the background there. Obviously, like we've covered the salary element of it, and then there's the flexibility of the role. So that's really key to make sure that you're also offering the candidate the flexibility that they would like. So not what you would like, what is going to fit with them and how they want to work. That's really important. So the last couple of weeks, um, I've seen candidates accept jobs and then take different jobs because they've had more flexibility it doesn't always come down to salary like obviously salary is huge in the process but the flexibility is also massive as well and if you are not being flexible with your candidates with with almost that adding that flexibility into the contract so people can obviously there'll be an element of you need to be in the office x amount of days but if you're not giving them a level of flexibility you are going to lose them to other people that are like that goes about saying and I think how you can understand that and how you can understand the candidate's commitment to the role is by asking them as I've said loads and loads of times like interviewing is a two-way process so you can have a conversation with someone it doesn't have to be all formal interview questions you can ask them where else are you interviewing they might not want to give you the company name and that's fine but you can ask them what roles are you also interviewing for and they could give you the job titles you might find that your role is a marketing manager and they're also interviewing for head of marketing. So potentially that person is looking for a promotion or for more responsibility that you might not be able to give, that it might not be ultimately the right role for that candidate. And this is what you can you can pre-qualify, you can find out what are you interviewing for and also what salary levels are those jobs at as well. Because if it's a lot more than what you can offer or that you would be willing to offer, then you obviously then need to have that question around what if we did offer you this position because this is all we could pay this is the level of responsibility you would have so I think that is also a really good conversation to have but again 
it's an awkward conversation, isn't it? And it's one as a recruiter, that is a conversation that I have on both sides of the table all of the time. But employers that are employing directly without using recruiters and candidates that are just applying directly. So there's no middleman. It's that direct conversation. It's difficult. It can be awkward. We're talking about money. We're talking about flexibility. Like people are really, have got, there's a real stigma around flexibility. If you're working from home, how much work are you doing? When you're talking about the types of roles, the clients that I work with, mainly management levels, even if you are painting your nails at home, you've still got to deliver all that work. It's really interesting because I think I work with clients across a range of different working approaches and I've seen some of that approach change and shift since the start of the pandemic. But what I would say is that I completely agree that at the minute in market, what I feel is that flexibility for a lot of good candidates is at least as important as salary. And alongside that is they want to work for places where they do feel trusted, where that attitude that you're describing, which to me feels archaic, but where that isn't the case. When you're pre-qualifying candidates as a hiring manager, first of all, don't assume that the recruiter has done that for you. Don't assume that they've had those conversations or that they're sharing everything with you. But also really think about how does that person want to work? Because if your business culture is more in that line of, we want people in the office and we do want to monitor people closely when they're not here, then somebody who is used to or really wants that kind of complete flexibility and freedom and that they can you know, go for a yoga class in the middle of the day and work a bit later at night and they don't have to justify that to anybody. If that's the culture that they want or that they've been used to, then pre-qualifying that helps you to understand what it is that they're looking for and what they expect. Because if there's a real mismatch, then from, again, from day one, it's not going to feel great because you're going to expect to be like, you should be online at this time and you should be online until that time. And if your team shows that you've gone away, then questions will be asked type thing. Just on that element that you were talking about of kind of people moving out and going for another offer, I think what you said was brilliant about that element of not just ask them if they are in other processes, but ask them some of the questions of what else are you interviewing for at the moment? And I think people often don't get taught this as part of recruitment skills. They don't get taught to probe or to pre-qualify on some of this. And there can be then a frustration if somebody has accepted an offer from you and then they back out it can be like almost, I'm really frustrated. I want to blacklist, you know, they shall never darken these doors. But actually, if you have the confidence to have those conversations, candidates, in my experience, will often be very open about it. And again, it doesn't mean that you necessarily rule people out because they're in other processes that are more senior. It might be if they're going for a head of role somewhere else, that's a smaller company and the salary range is similar to what you're offering it can be that it is quite different. So it gives you a point to explore from as opposed to it being a kind of really rude question. I think that's what often holds people back is they don't, either they don't think to ask that question because they've just never been 
told that's a useful question to ask or because it feels a little bit awkward and uncomfortable but my experience from doing it years and years is that people are normally pretty chill about being upfront and honest about it and especially if you show empathy for the fact that if someone's looking for a new job they're not just going to look at one job they are looking for a new role they are going to be in as many processes as they feel could be the right next opportunity for them. And let's not hold that against people. Let's admire the fact that those are ambitious, talented people who want to get on and want to progress and accept that with that comes until you've secured them, i.e. they're on day one, then there, there are always those risks that come with it. So is there anything else then before we wrap up that you would say is important around pre-qualifying? So I think one other thing I'm just going to throw into the mix, and this is very recruiter style, but it's also an interesting one because I see see this happening quite a lot. And it's the good old counter offer. So one thing that a lot of employers forget and recruiters as well will forget to ask or maybe not even know to ask around what happens if your current employer offers you more money to stay? What if your current employer offers you more flexibility? What if they offer you something that is really desirable and a real incentive to stay? Would you be tempted to accept that counter offer? Because that's another thing that happens when a candidate accepts your job offer and then they decide, no, I'm going to stay with the current company. Accepting a counter offer, in my opinion, is never a good idea. But at the time, if it's more money, if it, as humans, we don't enjoy change at all. So if we can stay where we're comfy, where we know the company, we almost forget all of the stuff and all of the things that have happened and the reasons why we're leaving, because all of a sudden we've been offered more money, more flexibility and the, the conditions that we've been wanting for a while, because we've we're saying that we're going to leave. So that is another thing where job offers can can go wrong and you don't end up getting that candidate because they get a counter offer. I suppose it's another brave question to ask, but it's a good one as well because you can also, from an employer point of view, you can find out a lot about the candidate, you know, what asking them around, what would you do if your current employer offers you more money or better flexibility to say, what would you do? And I think not just that, but it it actually helps that the candidates had to think about that because I think a lot of candidates that do get a counter offer from their current employer are quite surprised that they've got it. They've not intended, they've not gone out and looked for another role in order to get a counter offer. And they're sometimes quite surprised that their employer has given them a counter offer. So I think by preparing them, by asking that question, what you can often do is help them to recognize, actually, what would I do? Would I stay? Is there anything that my employer could do? But I think it's quite clever in as much as very often what it does is helps them to really reach that conclusion that says, no, I'm shutting the door. There's reasons I'm leaving. There's reasons it's time for me to move on. And no matter what they do, it is time to step away. So I think it can be quite clever in that it helps that candidate to recognize that and to mentally be known there's nothing they could do that would make me stay. So therefore, if you do offer to them and they do get that counter offer, they've already made that decision and they're not then in a bit of a whirlwind trying to make the decision and compare it to your offer because it's just done and dusted. So I think that's 
brilliant advice to to ask that question as well. That kind of brings us to the end of that episode. Hopefully that has been some really useful questions, either from your perspective as a candidate, if you're in job search mode, or if you are in that hiring manager place and you are having to pre-qualify candidates who you want to fill vacancies. If, as ever, there are topics that you would like us to cover, then please do drop us a message. You'll find links in the show notes. Be able to connect with us on LinkedIn and I'm on TikTok now. Who knew? So you can follow me there as well. So always happy to receive messages and cover topics that we know will be relevant. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed this episode, then please do rate and review or share it with someone else that you think it would be useful for. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. Exciting news from us. If you're an ambitious leader or manager earning 50k or more and you're ready to take your career to the next level, we have an opportunity for you. Introducing Catalyst Career Club, your secret weapon for unlocking career success. As a member, you'll get access to monthly live training sessions, exclusive job opportunities, and the ability to get personalized advice from us on your toughest career challenges. We've helped thousands of driven leaders like you secure significant pay rises, land dream roles and thrive in their careers. And now we want to support you in achieving your most ambitious career goals too. Membership is just $6.99 per month with no contract or tie-in. And as a special bonus for being our podcast listeners, you can use the code podcast at checkout to get your first month for just £1. Head over to PamelaLangan.com forward slash Catalyst Career Club to sign up now and we'll see you inside.